Welcome to another episode of PG Radio. I am honored and, and graced by Vivek Ranjan Agniyotri's presence for my podcast today. Vivek Agniyotri is an Indian film director, screenwriter, and an author. Please correct me when I'm wrong. I sometimes get introductions wrong. Uh, as of 2019, he's a member and a of guy who knows nothing. Vivek Agniyotri is a guy who knows nothing. <laughs> he's a member of the panel of Central Board of Film Certification. His film ranges from political themes, sports, to erotic genres. His movies. um as hate story and the tashkent files garnered both critical as well as commercial acclaim he is currently in the united states on the kashmir unreported tour where he has been interviewing the kashmiri diaspora on the stories post the late 80s and early 90s exodus from kashmir vivek um i got informed earlier today that you tweeted something saying that you'd be talking to a brilliant fellow at columbia uh, about something and i'm wondering where you got that false impression what makes you think i'm brilliant at all I don't know lots of people told me that uh, they wrote to me and they said Vivek sir congratulations you are going to meet a meet a rock star <laughs> tomorrow I said my, who's that guy my parents get uh, false expectations when somebody does that so <laughs> I want to take a quick second out to remind you that you can subscribe to my podcast if you like its content the subscribe button is right on the top of your app screen thank you and enjoy the show But let's talk about let's talk about the tour you've been on, and I'm curious. Um, interviewing so many people who've seen crimes of the nature that the Kashmiris have seen um, in the early '90s and the late '80s, what's your experience been? What is how how is it that that kind of sorrow has gone through you? What have the stories been like? Um, these are gut wrenching stories, you know. These are inhuman. These are the kind of stuff which you see in Games of Thrones, you know, uh, those kind of stuff. the thing is what is really saddening and uh, heartbreaking is that for 30 years a person like me who has been politically socially so aware and i read a lot even i didn't know about these stories mm-hmm. you know and nobody spoke to these people every every victim family we speak to uh, they start crying of course there is a sense of pain and loss of their uh, loved ones but they start crying because they are so overwhelmed that nobody spoke to them for 30 years and this is the first time anybody is going to their home and saying hey please tell us what happened to you mm-hmm. that's all we do i mean it's not a interview like question answers we just sit there and they talk right so this this story of indifference mm-hmm. i think that is making me uh very concerned and worried about what's happening in the world and it's changing me also as a person right um in i was I was made familiar of this story very early on thanks to my father and uh, a few friends that I had who belonged to the Kashmiri Pandit clan post exodus clan um and I understand that it is some sort of an unvisited trauma it's it's a trauma that hasn't been visited either verbally there have been no accounts in fact I've barely come across books that have gotten critical acclaim about the story and I understand that some part of your project is to bring this to light right is is there a documentary yeah. is there a film what, what what is the plan um it's a feature film uh-huh uh but then i started interviewing what we are doing is we are chasing the truth right so the what media indian media and international media fail to report uh is to uh document these stories mm-hmm. of loss so we are now covering it all over the world in india in jammu delhi here in uk wherever in new zealand some stories are coming to me 
So we said, what are we going to do with these stories? They are primarily meant for the research of the film. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, let's put them in a web series, you know. Mm -hmm. And so this is, uh, the film is called The Tashkent Files. Right. And, oh, sorry, so The Kashmir Files, I'm sorry. I'm That's still, fine. the hangover is there. That's fine. That's the fine. Kashmir, <laughs> the Kashmir Files and the web series is called uh, Kashmir Unreported. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what I'm curious because I, I can understand people who flew all that distance because going back home is a major motif for these people. Ghar Wapsi is something that they've, they've been waiting for for the longest time. Mm -hmm. If you could spare um, an instance that you found very interesting going through these stories, if there was something that you found that was particularly remarkable, because I understand both of us have an objective to bring these stories to the mainstream light for people to understand what has happened. Is there a story that you'd be comfortable sharing? Um, of yourself, like maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, this is, this is also, I mean, if there's some psychology student, it's a great story to learn. You mm -hmm. are psychology. Yes, yes. Oh, then you can appreciate it, you know. And I think the entire humanity must listen to this story, which I'm going to tell you in next uh, few, uh, one minute or so. Okay. Uh, so we, through via via, we are finding these people who are in small suburbs and near big cities. So I drove from Chicago about three hours to meet this uh, young fellow, Himanshu, and we reached five minutes early. And when he came, Pallavi and I and his wife were there, when he came, I have honestly in my life rarely seen such happy people. He was so full of life, he brought in so much of energy, like when I came, you were full of energy and life, you know, some people have a lot of life in them. And when you have so much of life, which means you generally had a happy life, you had good parents and you have a good upbringing, you go to good college like Columbia or something. And when he started talking to us slowly, we realized that when he was five years old, his father, he was playing cricket and his father came out, he said, come on, we are going out, let me drop you to your grandmother's house and took him on his Bajaj scooter and nice breezy winter day and drops him to his nani's house and after that he never get to meet his parents mm -hmm. for 18 or 19 or 20 even he doesn't remember very well for almost since he became adult nobody told him what happened to his parents mm -hmm. they were told he was told that they have gone to thailand or they have gone here or there the nani was very strict nobody told him mm -hmm. he has a sister who is just one or two years older than him even they never discussed that. And this boy grew happily. He did not even realize that his parents are dead. Mm -hmm. It's only later on he read some newspaper cutting in his sister's wardrobe and he figured out that his father was shot at by their own neighbors and his mother, I shouldn't, I don't know, his mother was uh, perhaps gang raped and her breasts were cut and she was cut into pieces on a electric saw machine. Mm -hmm. uh, he spoke to us for a couple of hours. It was everybody had tears and we were crying. And after we finished the interview, his wife said that we have been married for uh, one and a half decades or something like that. And they have been childhood friends. I mean, they know each other since they were he, she said he has never ever spoken to us uh, about this mm -hmm. and like this mm -hmm. for so long in such details. And he told me he has not even spoken to his sister ever about this. Mm. And all he kept saying, it was very difficult to penetrate him. And all he kept saying is, what's the point of these memories? What's the point? What's the point? Mm. But he broke down 
when I forcefully I asked him, "Do you want to go back to Kashmir?" Hmm. And that's when he sort of broke down because, and this is everywhere. All these people, I think, they become cold to the tragedy. Hmm. They narrate the tragedy without emotion. too much of emotion. Mm-hmm. They break down only when we say, "Okay, so do people talk to you about this?" And that's when they break down that nobody has spoken to us. Hmm. Instead, what the politics was doing, the government of India, the media, and the so-called uh, progressive people of the world, all they kept saying was, "No, no, no, not four and a half thousand people were killed. Three and a half thousand were killed. Right. Your number is wrong." And people were negotiating on the number of killed people. The semantics. Okay, people are saying, "No, no, no. Yes, she was raped, but her breasts were not cut. Hmm. Yes, her breasts were cut, but she was not cut into pieces." Hmm. And that's where. it shook me up hmm. and i said i have spent most of my life i am 50 years plus now hmm. you know i am into a third 3.0 hmm. according to indian ashram vyavastha in fact i should be retiring from the grahastha ashram also but i am at a stage where i say i spend most of my life learning all these progressive and liberal ideas by uh, my professors and everybody in the world i am hmm. absolutely no boundary no bans no boycott i am a totally free soul i am a hippie you know hmm. by uh, nature i said what's the point of all this progressive and liberal ideas if we hide real stories right there are so many stories in india which have never been told right. this is just one of them right right um it is not just that i found that there is a cold narration of the stories by these people but there is this hysterical humor that bleeds in so i was i've i've spoken to somebody about this issue for my podcast he's a, like i mentioned he was a, he's a friend and he was telling me about his uncle and his father's story and the story went something like this he says the domestic help walks inside the house he looks around he's like that painting uh, that painting that statue yeah i'm going to take all of that and the matriarch uh, his father's mother she looks at him and she's like what the hell are you talking about and he's like do you not know and and they're like no so he takes my friend's uncle they were in shrinagar they go into this garage in karanagar in shrinagar walks them inside and there is this buttload of ammunition and guns all over and he's like listen you're going to be taking you're going to be taken over run and he says that and all, everything else follows but what i could not get to the bottom at with my friend was why this uprising even happened against the hindus there is almost no coverage or no coverage that i have discovered about what the sentiment was behind kicking all these hindus out of kashmir in the 90s have you come across something like that in your in your tour um can i talk honestly please here? please right okay so disclaimer i mm-hmm. just want to make it very clear i am not a very religious person at heart mm-hmm. okay i am not bound by uh, one doctrine or one book or idea of how right. this world should be I think uh, life should be experience based as you grow and evolve in life you should keep moving and learn from your real life experiences that's how one should life right but i definitely understand that there is some kind of a civilizational war in this world mm-hmm. and uh, christians and muslims they have been fighting with each other that who dominates this world mm-hmm. and in india the problem is that uh, there has been a civilizational war for over a thousand years now and uh people want domination uh in terms of geography in terms of demography and that's why people invaded india i mean mm-hmm. that was the reason why anybody would in- invade a peaceful country which never went out right. i mean indians never even went out mm-hmm. all in all hindus uh, you have to understand this even all the students of all great universities must under- understand this when i say hindu civilization it has no religious connotation hmm. i talk about hindu civilization 
Hindu civilization is people who basically uh, under Himalaya and above Arabian Sea and the ocean, uh, Indian Ocean, people who are researching about the concept of life, cosmos and beyond. Hmm. This was a great, one of the greatest creative civilizations of the world. Hmm. Okay, what is creativity? Creativity is of course inventing this cup, inventing this mic, hmm. but in, in hierarchy of creativity, a society which invents four most peaceful religions hmm. is a great creative society. Hmm. A society which uh, understood the astronomy and the relationship of human beings with the cosmos okay, is a great creative uh, society. Hmm. So we were creative society. We were inventing things like Ayurveda, Yoga, meditation, spirituality and a whole lot of things. Hmm. Uh, Rasayanic Shastra which is chemistry and uh, the astronomy, the concept of zero, right. mathematics. We never uh, took guns and swords to uh, invade others. Right. Mm -hmm. While the West was uh, exploring the geographic continents of the world, we were exploring the, 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 the internal uh, uh, continents of human uh, life. Existence, right. Existence, yeah. When Islamic uh, religion set out to invade the world, okay, they came to India also. And since then, this war is going on that who dominate this continent. Mm -hmm. Now, India belongs to Hindu civilization. Mm -hmm. It is their land. Mm -hmm. There is no argument in this world which can justify that anybody else has ownership. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, the greatness of Hindu civilization is that we are the only land which has given shelter to people mm -hmm. and not just shelter. Mm -hmm. Not just shelter, like you give shelter to people, uh, to black people or to Jews and you say, hey, we are giving you shelter, you can live here, but you can never become the president of US, mm. you can never become the chief justice of a Supreme Court mm. and you have, that's all, go and live in your ghettos. No, we are the, we said, okay, you believe in gods, fine, you are a Hindu. Mm. If you don't believe in God, you are a Hindu. Mm. If you are a Parsi, you are still part of this civilization. Mm. You believe in Allah, wonderful, make your masjid, fine, no problems. Mm. I say inshallah all the times. I never mm. say Jai Shri Ram or Hari Ram because I grew up in Bhopal. That's my cultural upbringing. Mm. Hind Bollywood movies always use Khuda, Rabba, Allah. Nobody even questions that the three biggest stars of India mm. are Muslim guys. Mm. And two of them are hardcore uh, practicing Islamic people. Mm -hmm. Shah Rukh Khan never says Namaste. Mm -hmm. He only says Salam, Salam, Salam. Mm -hmm. He never says by the grace of Ram or Krishna. Mm -hmm. He says by the grace of Allah. Mm -hmm. That's all he says despite being married to a Muslim uh, Hindu woman. Mm -hmm. But I say inshallah all the time. So our prime ministers have been saying, we don't care. We go to Gurudwara wearing a turban and all. We have not given shelter. We have given them respect and they have become integral part of the society. Hmm. We are the only diversity in the world which is interactive, which means a Muslim talks to Hindu on everyday basis, Christians talk. When yesterday Anupam Kher was saying, and which is so true, Bombay, when I drive from Varsova to Nariman Point, there are masjids and gurudwaras and mandirs. Every time we do this and this, every single driver, Bihari, Pandeji and Mishraji, when they are driving, they keep, you see them keep doing this. Right. You know, mm -hmm. so we are basically a very liberal society. Mm -hmm. We are very progressive scientific society, mm -hmm. a society which has invented the concept of family and joint families, independent units, the temple system. We are an amazingly great creative society. Mm -hmm. Now to come there and kill those people, mm -hmm. destroy their buildings, loot their uh, wealth, destroy their crops, burn their villages after villages, mm -hmm. okay, and rule them. Mm -hmm. 
despite them ruling after they came few hundred years later hmm. we still invented a language called urdu only for muslims in india hmm. which other country has done us such a liberal society has not created a language for uh, 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 muslims or the minorities hmm. right but india has we put all, so such a great society in kashmir hmm. they want to capture kashmir hmm. it's a civilizational war hmm. and the scam the trick we have played is we call it a political war human rights war no it is purely a religious civilizational war they want hindus out of that place hmm. and that's why hindu civilization which is so inclusive that hindu civilization has muslims christians buddhists parsis iranis you jains sikhs you name it and they are part of that mm-hmm. we don't have this fight anywhere else right. if 20 crore muslims i don't know how you translate that in hundreds and thousands in american number mm-hmm. but 20 crore muslims live in india as with equal rights with same dignity and respect hmm. if they can become president of india supreme court justices they can be in army they can be anywhere why just four and a half five lakh hindus live in kashmir hmm. which is a hindu place named after rishi kashyap mm-hmm. uh, that is my question right so your your response to that this is this seems to be a civilizational war it is right but here is my question in response to that and this will probably help us bring more clarity as to what a civilizational war would mean in context of the hindu civilization because you referred to the hindu civilization many times being this all inclusive entity this grand umbrella within which we can all find ourselves but you know one of the most important debates i think we are probably not having enough in india right now is the debate for what constitutes the national identity of india what does an indian what does a hindu mean there are so many versions of the concept of hindu right now that it's becoming sort of muddled and the one that is emerging right now is the concept that is being peddled by the hard right in india which i mean for the sake of the conversation i have no problem with but to explore what the concept of indian the identity of being an indian means uh what in your view is that what what does being an indian mean like is it india before babar came is it india after the british left who belongs to india okay now this question i'm sorry but you are a wonderful guy but um, you have spent some time in us and colombia this is a very template question it's a very western question mm-hmm. uh indian philosophy the hindu thought mm-hmm. is nirakar Mm-hmm. which means which has no shape which has no boundary mm-hmm. you can't it's ardhanarishwar it's a man also it's a woman also right the cosmic dance of shiva the tandav nritya of shiva mm-hmm. is when he is there he is not there right when he when is dynamic he is static when he is static he is dynamic when he is male he is female you know everything it believes in myriad of possibilities right. everything is possible right science starts from big bang theory mm-hmm. we say when before big bang theory was also something was there mm-hmm. after death also something is there and that's why yes it's very important for the west to learn which is fighting a war against trump on liberalism mm-hmm. on progressiveness inclusiveness these are new words to west that's why they are so fascinated like they're fascinated with vegan diets and keto uh, diets mm-hmm. you know these are very faddish concepts for them mm-hmm. it's in our dna indian child when he is born he doesn't question what is liberal what is progressive because he is he mm-hmm. doesn't have to question all these things mm-hmm. you know right so the your question what is a hindu what is the national identity of india india does first of all india is not a constitutional nation mm-hmm. though we are forced to believe in constitution and unfortunately that's how it is going to be 
but india is a cultural identity mm-hmm. and that's why we never had a boundary right the all these modern liberals talk about no boundary mm-hmm. we have practiced no boundary right okay we were spread from afghanistan to uh, indonesia mm-hmm. when one when the disciple of buddha started walking see buddha is nothing buddha has just repackaged vedas uh, mm-hmm. the knowledge of vedas buddha has never invented anything new buddha never discovered anything new i Bud- think i think i have a disagreement to pull with that yeah. uh, and i think that will help us bring back to the question too yeah. but um i think buddha definitely uh, after having spent a considerable amount of time reading hinduism and and mostly buddhism i think there was it's a, a new interpretation yeah it's an iteration there yeah, yeah. a significant improvement that buddha i'm made. a great believer i run an right. ngo called i am buddha foundation right. precisely yeah, precisely yeah. So, but yeah. uh, y- y- here is why i asked you that question before and the and, and the reason why i asked you that question is because if there is no boundary to the cultural identity of india how do we how do we make the fact that it is a civilizational war like who is the other side if the boundary is extending to the other side as well aren't kashmiri muslims some some someone might ask and let's just say it's not me also indians if they are trying to fight for the land in whatever capacity way or form isn't that part of the same indian umbrella of identity okay brilliant question i really love this and i would love to answer this see indian muslim is a different kind of a muslim from rest of the muslims in the world mm-hmm. okay indian muslim is like akbar ali khan bismillah khan bismillah khan before playing shanai okay one of the greatest shanai is also a uh, uh, gift right. of islam to india mm-hmm. okay when he would play shanai first he'll do saraswati vandana mm-hmm. okay right and a lot of hindu uh, singers and artists they will go to a darga in fact you see ajay devgan and all these actors from india before release of their movie they go to uh, ajmer darga mm-hmm. you know so that's not an issue what is happening in kashmir mm-hmm. is they want to establish a kind of a caliphate over there mm-hmm. these are hardcore islamists who are funded see without funding they can't run this war for so long precisely somebody is paying this stone pelter precisely these are violent people mm-hmm. they are terrorists mm-hmm. so this islamic terrorism entered kashmir th- for 13 year 1300 years they were muslims mm-hmm. okay and they slowly the demography was changing from 100% hindu population with the force of sword it started shrinking and 1947 it came down to 5% mm-hmm. but still there was no problem mm-hmm. the problem actually started when they collaborated with pakistan mm-hmm. these hardcore islamic is and taliban and all those kind right. of forces mm-hmm. because they were appeased for so long by the western world on one side mm-hmm. and all india also appeased them a lot and they somewhere started and kashmir is also dif- from defense point of view is a buffer state mm-hmm. there are very few buffer states in the world which Fair. means if you are in kashmir you have got the central asia mm-hmm. and then you uh, approach far east asia and you have there. a good wall of defense if you have kashmir yeah. right mm-hmm. so during cold war mm-hmm. everybody was fighting to have their presence in afghanistan kashmir and these kind of regions so these regions became disturbed mm-hmm. because russia sent their money for arms america sent their money for arms and these became like the theater for cold war right and since then kashmir has been very very disturbed mm-hmm. and indian politicians were also not far sighted had no vision right. and they just kept playing to local localite politics rather than a vote glo- bank politics right yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's why you see it's been taken over today mm-hmm. by international forces these young boys and girls in kashmir have no idea what what they want mm-hmm. so they keep saying azadi how will they they can never get azadi either mm-hmm. they will go to pakistan or they'll come to india practically yes Isn't right practically right. they can never absolutely huh. and if they do even if hypothetically speaking if they become an independent nation that india will start uh, attacking right. them pakistan right now they are attacked only by pakistan then they will be attacked by india then pakistan and russia 
and from China, China and mm-hmm. from in fact China to right now is an active uh, player there right so it's a very difficult situation and i feel so sad my heart bleeds for these uh, muslim young boys and girls of uh, uh, kashmir. kashmir nobody everybody think they are all stone pelters mm-hmm. they are stone pelters because they don't know anything else mm-hmm. right. nothing right. so all these hindus who were thrown out of kashmir mm-hmm. have to have become doctors and engineers and lawyers and writers and creative people they got educated but their neighbors the ch- children they have grown up with, they have played gulli danda and cricket with, mm-hmm. those young kids are still throwing stones at Indian Army. Right. That is the difference and that's why I feel so sad that international agencies have actually screwed up the entire generation mm-hmm. of Muslim boys and girls in Kashmir. Mm-hmm. Here is how I say it. I say uh, tragedy occurs in the absence of an infrastructure for meaning. There is yeah. no way people can find not just an economic livelihood, but a psychological livelihood. Yeah. And therefore they get drawn to these these tragedy inciting activities like stone pelting. And I've heard a lot of reports about drugs being peddled in those areas and oh, addictive yeah, yeah. drugs that yeah. form part of the loop that perpetuates more stone pelting for the drugs and yeah. then, you know. Yeah. But let me get you to your film. Um, this film that you're coming out with, Kashmir Files. What is this film about? What, uh, what are we discussing in this film? What is the communication of the film? Um, see, so far, I've, I'll tell you what my journey is in Buddhaina traffic jam. I was very intellectually fascinated with the leftist uh, uh, terror war, proxy war on India. Tashkent Files, I became uh, emotional about the subject. Mm-hmm. And I said, there is something which should be told to people. So let's do research. So I became more academic. This film, I'm doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm just a medium. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I became medium. Actually, I said, aha, there's a great story. One should talk about it. So now this, I don't have a script as yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, script is just happening somewhere in the universe. And I know one day I'll tune like a FM, this thing. Right. And boom, it will come in my inbox. I know that. Right. Something is telling me. Right. But this is just going to be the story of the genocide. Mm-hmm. What happened mm-hmm. uh, in January 1990. Right. So that the generation see it themselves. Mm-hmm. This is going to be without any exaggeration, mm-hmm. but I'm also not going to downplay it to appease right. anybody or to make people it. happy. Mm-hmm. I'll just tell the story the way I've heard, felt it. When I've hugged a person, how I felt, I'm going to tell. Right. So it's going to be just a visual depiction of how the genocide took place. And what do you think, um, how is that going to add to the larger discourse on Kashmir? Okay. Now it's a war of narratives. You know that. All right. of us know that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I am not a politician, but I am a storyteller, mm-hmm. and um, and I am a very very fearless storyteller. If right. I got to tell a story, I tell wherever I am. I don't care. I've observed that. Yeah, yes. and I do it with all decency in a civil manner. But yes, I'm very assertive about what I feel. Mm-hmm. So in this war of narratives, the problem is these poor Hindus, the minority of Kashmir, and really minuscule minority. The Muslims in India are 20% of the population, approximately 18 to 20%. But these Kashmiri Hindus were 2% in Kashmir. Mm-hmm. And they were thrown out. So this film is going to equip them with a visual um, story, mm-hmm. which they can tell their children this is how it happened. Right. And it's going to contribute to this war of narrative where people have been... Uh, bringing on table a lot of sympathy and compassion for Muslims, poor Muslims. They have no network, they have no data, they have no 4G. Mm -hmm. So they will realize 
that when the dreaded terrorists like Burhan Wani is killed by the Indian army mm-hmm. for nine months, they themselves voluntarily they lock down everything and Hindus also suffer. Mm-hmm. Second thing people have to understand that it's just the Kashmir Valley. Mm-hmm. But right now my unit is shooting in Jammu mm-hmm. and for seven days we have not been able to communicate because uh, Jammu is a fully Hindu population and there is no 4G and network mm-hmm. and they, they are not complaining. Mm-hmm. They are not complaining because they know it is important for the security of India. Mm-hmm then why this handful of people are complaining so much? Hmm. Why the international media and the lobbies are taking so much interest in them and not taking interest in the other 70-80% of the population, they also don't have access to the same thing. Right, I will, and I want to get back to the media blackout as an issue in the entire phenomena, but I want to, I want to get at something more, um, more seminal before that. I think in an interview that, or in a conversation that you were having with a Kashmiri lobby, and I think this was in Jammu, because I saw it on YouTube, you spoke about the fact how Almost all genocides and all major tragedies in the world have imageries and symbolism and visual yeah. representations and audio representation. There are songs and there are slogans that get carried through generations that yeah. tell the stories in simple small words and compressed images. But the Kashmiri genocide does not. Um, could you talk a little more about how you want to influence the cultural space of India? How you want to influence the conversation around Kashmir with adding this symbolic imagery to the tragedy? Great, I'm so thankful you are the only person. This is very close to my heart. Mm -hmm. Very extremely. If you ask me, there is one thing which you are willing to die for, this is exactly what it is. I believe art and literature and creativity is the soul of any society. Mm. India's biggest problem today is that art, literature and creativity is going down. Mm -hmm. What I discovered in my research that this entire Kashmiri Hindu uh, community the next generation means the, the generation after the victims. Their children, wherever they are, they are either playing flutes or they are writing poetries or they are writing stories. They are doing some kind of a creative expression and they are not realizing it. Hmm. Even their parents are not realizing it. Which means a tragedy also gives birth to a lot of creativity. To life. To life, yes. actually. Mm-hmm. And I always say this, I don't know when I got this thought, but I always say that uh, there are seven emotions in creativity, you know, different kinds of ras uh, in Hindi, this thing. Or there are seven notes in music, mm-hmm. but the damaged people know the eighth note. Mm-hmm. So that's why they are very special people and they should be treated like heritage and they should be like preserved by rest of the humanity. Very interesting. Kashmir, I think the major downfall came the day they burnt the only cinema hall they had. Mm-hmm. In when Srinagar? They, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And they shut down all the theater. Nobody was allowed to sing. Nobody was allowed to dance. Hmm. That's why, see, I have no problems with Islam. Hmm. Honestly, if you cut me, in my heart you'll find I have no problems with Islam. I'm not one of those who have problems with Islam. I have no problem. My only problem with the practice a certain kind of Islam which does not let the young boys and girls sing, dance, write or be creative. Hmm. Right. Hmm. In last 70 years, forget the history of uh, Kashmir, hmm. then we can go on and on. Just look at the 70 years of Kashmir. Hmm. Look at the contribution of Kashmiri Hindus in the field of art, literature, music, everything. Business, all of that. So much they have created means the wealth hmm. is so much of creation. 
whatever you may say they are they are uh, kashmiri uh, hindus in bollywood in theater in music and literature and not somebody who were, grew up in bombay people who were in kashmir hmm. name one contribution of islamic kashmir in art literature culture anything name one i challenge the biggest of the human rights activists and the intellectuals and the media anybody who speaks for them put it on table and show me one thing they have created hmm. they have their only contribution is they have destroyed cinema halls hmm. they have killed theater groups they have shot people who were singing as recent as just few months back this young girl was expressing her, herself creatively hmm. uh, wasima what's her name uh, she did some amir khan film then under pressure she had to run back and she said no 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 now i am going to be a hijab wearing hmm. um, person i don't want this mm-hmm. there was some band a girls band or something yeah. creative rock band they used to sing where are they now mm. i have interview on my phone i can show you uh, off the records when we finish this these young boys who were doing my line production in kashmir brilliant singer i mean his poetry is so amazing i mean these are great uh, creative people mm. but he said don't tell anybody that i sing or i write mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the only thing you hear today is in sh- in kashmir when you go there the only music you will hear or lyric or i mean the melody you'll hear is ayats of quran which mm-hmm. keep coming on radio and this thing nobody talks about it because the minute you talk about it people are going to attack you mm-hmm. like they attack me right but this is the truth mm-hmm. all these people who have destroyed art and literature are the criminals of humanity they are not the criminals against india their crime is against humanity mm-hmm. anybody who burns any book mm-hmm. is is a criminal mm-hmm. um the smallest fact correction i recently bumped across this kashmiri muslim artist who's a rapper who tells his story living in srinagar um he's moved to delhi now to pursue his career but he's from srinagar you might want to check him out he might he might uh, work along to your yeah. project i will i will forward his details to you as well i think i i know i've got that link yeah but Possibly. but he does he's not he can't can he go back and do the rap in srinagar i i don't know i would not be able to tell you i can that. guarantee he cannot go back and it's a that. difficult place to do that i do agree yeah. i do agree but let me ask you this um we we swept past the media blackout and 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 the way it is handled in fact i i'll place my opinion on the table first i think the way 370 was abrogated back in august was one of the most efficient political moves i've seen from the indian regime ever yeah. right like dossier sent overnight all international po- powers were asked to stay aside while india made that move they they communicated with the military and they communicated with the bureaucracy very very well and then they went ahead to abrogate article 370 but then a media blackout was instantiated and that media blackout has lasted since august up until now and i am very willing to work with the idea that this is important for security even though i i have very libertarian ideas about how this should be run i do however am afraid for the crimes that can be potentially committed in a blackout where there is no communication to and fro what do you think about this prolonged state of media blackout that is being put to kashmir and not just on the level of humanity but on a strategic level the fact that this the, the longer this continues the more unwanted attention we ga- garner and the more our as india our plan might not work out to you know exceed kashmir back into india as a full uh, state what do you think about that if you ask me at a very personal level mm-hmm. i don't believe in these blackouts mm-hmm. okay but uh, i also understand there must be i am not an expert right okay and i am not um, I'm not an excited uh, activist who mm-hmm. would have an opinion on everything on under this earth. Right. I do not understand defense strategy so well. Mm-hmm. There must be a reason why Ajit Doval and all these people 
are doing it and they are not uh, stupid people that they don't understand how international media or everything works they understand but the problem is that anything happens mm-hmm. used to happen in kashmir within no time mm-hmm. within 2 3 minutes you know hundreds of stone pelters will come which means these uh, social media was working very actively right and today the biggest this i know from the horse's mouth from very very reliable sources and not just indian sources but the strategic uh, defense uh, people all over the world is that kashmir on one hand has a huge drug problem mm-hmm. the drug mafia mm-hmm. and they also have cyber crime uh, mm-hmm. problem the cyber crime of kashmir is not limited only to kashmir mm-hmm. kashmir became because kashmiri muslim young boys and girls go to indian universities and they are very educated and very good with it hmm. i don't know why but they have this special talent hmm. so uh, kashmir became hub for cyber crime in syria in afghanistan in all these troubled places hmm. up to russia and all that hmm. you will be surprised to know that you use facebook so often hmm. in kashmir these uh, cyber crime boys and girls don't use uh, fa- facebook there is mm. no facebook in kashmir mm. you will very rarely find these kashmiris living in kashmir uh, using facebook they have something else called cash book mm. k a s h not uh, money cash mm-hmm. kashmir short form mm. cash book now nobody knows about it nobody has access to it and that's where they spread different kind of a narrative mm. okay right and they are very systematically well planted and all that mm. perhaps that is one of the reasons hmm. that government wants to destroy the drug mafia hmm. the cyber mafia mafia hmm. first and then they want to approach i am actually not an expert so i won't say anything but i would rather wait and watch for at least one or two months more right yesterday uh, the council general of india mr sandeep chakraborty he uh, was in a gathering with us and he said something officially hmm. he said something unofficially and then he said something officially so officially he said he said today's india is not yesterday's india mm. so people if want to look at india from yesterday uh, point of view they are wrong where your political thinking ends that's where our starts mm. so he said this won't be for long but whenever this lockdown is out mm. people will be safe hmm. that's what he said and he's council general so i'm sure he won't say anything at responsible right. and for one day when they lifted one or couple of days they lifted it's not that they did not try they hmm. lifted hmm. and within no time these uh, apple vendors were killed hmm. again when they tried to lift it they lifted now and within half an hour one hour these 10 11 actually 11 labor uh, from bihar or gujarat i think they were shot down i'm, hmm. I'm i mean don't take it as the most credible information but i know 11 number right. they were bihar or gujarat i am not sure i think west maybe gujarat ha huh? somewhere from rest of india west of west bengal ha so they were they were shot immediately they were killed hmm. then one day one uh, muslim guy who opened a shop initially then he was killed the minute he which means you do something they spread the news and they so right. that must be the reason. right um let me invite you at this point to take an educational guess right okay. um and this is guesswork so we can feel pretty safe uh, making making speculations how would you ideally want the situation in kashmir to pan out from here what would be your ideal vision of kashmir say 6 months down the line a year down the line if it's left to me yeah if, if i were, get if for one day almighty, i become the if you are god almighty if yes. for one day i become the like nayak yes <laughs> if i become the nayak the first thing i am going to do is uh i will 
send lots and lots of Indians from different parts of India hmm. to Kashmir. Hmm. I think my first job will be that to ensure that Kashmir has lot of rest of Indians. Hmm. I mean, people, it's wrong jargon, but people from different states of India hmm. for two reasons. A, they will then understand what is happening in Kashmir. Right. They will also understand about the new generation and they will take this message to uh, other states right. because if Kashmiris are ignorant about rest of the states, hmm. then rest of the states are equally ignorant about Kashmir. Right. And our learning is coming from mediators, you know, which is they have a motive, they have an agenda like the media. Mm -hmm. You know, when the, see, when diversity interacts, they find their own solutions, they don't depend on anyone. Hmm. It's only when diversity does not interact, hmm. then they need the third person like UNO hmm. or human rights activists or then you need Washington Post or New York Times or Fox or whatever. Right, right. So these eco chambers listen about others from the third party mm -hmm. and this third party suddenly gets the power. Hmm. Okay, right. so they use this power if you, you are in India. So when in India, a boy and girl need to get married, hmm. there is some mediator which can the be your Guaji yes. or your Tauji or somebody. Right. So whoever is getting these people married hmm. suddenly becomes the most powerful person. The most important person in the room. Yeah. Right. And at will, hmm. he can do anything, hmm. you know. Hmm. So that's what the people, I want the middleman to go out. Right. So my first job would be to get these people together. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is revival at a, at supersonic speed hmm. with lot of uh, uh, enthusiasm and hmm. lot of positivity to bring creativity back to uh, Kashmir. What do you think about economic investment? See economic investment what will it do? Hmm. It will happen naturally. Hmm. Economic investment will always flourish in a nice peaceful place. Right. Right. Economic you cannot force people. I went to Raipur recently hmm. and Let's do development, let's do development and they created Naya Raipur, huge big space, he's from Chhattisgarh, he would know, huge big space, right? But nobody lives there, nobody goes there because mm. there is no connectivity, right? right. Yeah. But people, but in Raipur, it's not that Raipur is economically weak, Raipur is also growing very fast. Where is it growing? Where there are cinema hall, there is theater, people go eat different mm. kind of food, mm. you know, things like that. You have a concept of civilization based around art and it's a very novel idea. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. What is this world without, imagine your life without stories, just tell me one thing. Right. It's practically dead at that point. It's yeah. boring. But a lot of people, um, when, when they found out that you and I are going to be talking, asked me to talk to you about your concept of nationalism because that is something people either agree yeah. a lot with or disagree a lot with. So yeah. what is your concept of nationalism? How, how, how nationalistic are you? My concept is that anybody who has to define nationalism is a stupid person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Honestly. No, I think there is... And I, I think the failure of current government also. Let me tell you about the right wing of India. I have right. only one major complaint with them. Right. I love some of those people. They have given their lives to build India. They have mm -hmm. done great social work and such honest, nice, wonderful people. My biggest problem with them is that after being in power for six years, mm -hmm. they keep doing these literature festivals and conferences and the theme is let's define nationalism. Mm -hmm. Right. After 70 years of independence, you have to define nationalism. So nationalism to me is this mm -hmm. and which I, it's not the first time I'm saying this. I always say this integrity above all everything hmm. when you say i'll meet you at 10 o'clock meet and meet the person at the 10 o'clock hmm. if you say i'll make your payment on friday 10 o'clock make that payment hmm. when you say something mean it hmm. number two 
efficiency and productivity hmm. okay you are supposed to stop at red light you are stopped to uh, drive in your lane just do that right don't throw filth on street hmm. okay just care about your neighbor i mean don't talk to him it doesn't matter whether you know him or not hmm. but don't harm him hmm. don't cheat people hmm. don't be corrupt hmm. just do your job sincerely okay and don't try to eliminate the other person don't try to dominate his space right i think that is nationalism what is nationalism hmm. what are you going to do with a nation with 70% poor people and homeless people hmm. hating each other hmm. what and just saying my soldier my jawan and that's why i say anybody who genuinely from his heart believes in nationalism will never stand up and say bharat mata ki jai bharat mata ki jai mm-hmm. he would do the kind of karmas the kind of things he will do so that the entire world says bharat mata ki jai hmm. that to me is nationalism right. and which is why i am running 15 hours 16 hours a day everywhere i am doing hmm. because in my most of my life i have seen a very third rate a very very dumbed down kind of nationalism i want india world to recognize that india is a great place it's a creative place don't go by optics of uh uh crowd and honking and all that inside there are great people great creative society right. and that's all i'm trying to do people to understand that we are a great civilization hmm. by destroying or harming hindu civilization the world is going to become another kashmir hmm. we are the soul of this world help us protect us preserve us help us grow mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i am not into hyper nationalism and i think nationalism is not about only soldiers standing and fighting at the border right. nationalism is about how we look after our heritage our literature our people our family system hmm. anybody who's your children are working in us you are sending them to convent school you are asking them that you should go and work for microsoft google you have an american dream in your mind hmm. and then you go on twitter and facebook and you say mere my soldiers are dying and i stand for indian bharat mat it's got no meaning this is so ridiculous hmm. work for the country hmm. create something innovate something help the society add value to whatever you are doing wherever you are doing help build a spiritual creative consciousness then you are a nationalist right uh, the reason why i wanted to pull on that thread is because there are people I grew up with people who I'm very close with um who have a concept of nationalism that I think might lead them astray in the long run. And I speak as as India, right? And the India that I speak of is different from the political party that is in power, right? Yeah. So very recently I st- I I've seen the sentiment and and feel free to comment or we can move on to the next but very recently I've seen the sentiment where there is a hesitance to criticize yeah India and the political uh, political power in India right now. and the 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 label that is used with that hesitance is that of patriotism or nationalism and i think that is a very ill mannered approach to go to that place if i say for instance love you if I, if i'm you know if i love you i still will criticize you because i want to see you get better yeah. right and that is how we should be perceiving the concept of nationalism as well if i love india and i'm i'm very pro india i still am free to criticize where india is going wrong and if i don't do that i'm being i'm not being judicious in my approach then you're nation. not nationalist if you're not criticizing yes yes you're jingoistic or, or something yeah, along yeah. those lines but here tell me tell me about um you became popular for coining the term urban naxals in 2011 with your film the budhana traffic jam and then the book that followed urban naxals i have a worry and tell me if i'm wrong about that worry my worry is that these words um which are very creatively coined um might end up losing their meaning because they will be applied very loosely 
you know, it is very quick, very quickly we can call all liberals as communists and all right-wing conservatives as fascists and all everybody on this, you know, on the on, on the spectrum. So yeah, when I was when I was thinking about this thought, I had four different categories of people who might be mislabeled or who might be collectively labeled under the term urban Naxals and tell me what you think about that. So there is obviously the Naxals that are fighting, you know, the militant armed Naxals. I don't know if they exist any longer with that force. I don't think they do. But then there are people who live in the urban areas who are actively in support right yeah who provide money and so on like anupam khair in in the film that you made traffic jam uh, buddha in a traffic jam then there are people who are sympathetic to them but who provide no money or what not they're just sympathetic to the fight that the naxals have and then there are people who believe that these tribals have been very oppressed since the beginning my concern is all four of them would be labeled as one and then we will lose our power of nuance our our credibility to sort through who is on our side and who is definitely not on our side what do you think about that? Do you think that term is being used very loosely? Do you think it has been in the past? Yeah, I think I think it's been uh, abused also by a lot of people. But I'm not guilty of that. Mm -hmm. I have never ever even once used it against uh, anybody or everybody. Mm -hmm. And in every speech, everybody, wherever I go, the mm -hmm. same kind of question. But you have asked it intelligently. People asked very popular way, populist manner. I'm not a journalist. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> I'm, you are lucky, you know, good karmas. Right, right. <laughs> so, I always mention, mm -hmm. even see in the film, I never said that everybody is an urban axle. In the book, I never said that. I've explained in great detail who's an urban axle. Uh, I say anybody who is funded by the red terror money or Islamic terror money hmm. to run a proxy war hmm. in the tribal areas of India hmm. is obviously is a Naxal, mm -hmm. but this money doesn't go directly to Naxals, it goes through urban Naxals. Right, through know? the funnels. Yeah. So, and so I call them urban Naxals. Hmm. The reason I call them urban Naxals is because, uh, because of ignorance of people and because of the media, it was always, uh, the impression was given that this war is being fought only in uh, tribal areas, in jungles of Bastar. Hmm. So modern India, everybody thought, Oh, I have nothing to do with this. Right. It's not my problem. There's some jungle where local, uh, tribal people live, you know, right. it's not my problem. Right. Like people in Silicon Valley are not bothered about what's happening to Red Indians mm -hmm, or right. their rights or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the minute you say one of you in Microsoft or Google mm. is actually the guy who's responsible for all this oppression, then they sit up and they say, oh my God, he's mm -hmm. somewhere close to me. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the point I wanted to make was mm. that in India, openly in cities, big cities, mm. they are running big operations. Mm. They have Wi-Fi. In jungle, they don't have Wi-Fi. How will they run cybercrime? Right. You know, there's no 4Gs and networks don't work and you think they are running cybercrime. No. Mm -hmm. The people who are running now finally are behind the bars. So these are professors like Sai Baba of Delhi University, mm. assistant professor, I think he was. And um, the Sudha Bharadwaj and uh, One Hour and all these people now are behind the bars. Mm. And officially, they have been called Urban Nexus, not by me by the Home Minister of India of Congress Party, mm. Home Minister of BJP mm. or Chief Ministers of various different parties in Andhra Pradesh and Tamil Nadu. Yesterday this boy was, I posted it, today was caught in Kerala. He was injured, he was getting treatment. Who was treating him? He was being treated by an urban Naxal doctor mm. who has been funding uh, Naxals, you know. Mm. So these are the people I was attacking. Right. But now 
this is the modern uh, tragedy of the modern social media world hmm. that then somebody who is sitting in bombay doing it job has suddenly his boss shouts at him he comes back and he says hey all of you are urban nexus hmm. hmm. you know so they uh, right. write the it's like me too movement you it's, know mm-hmm. it's exactly like me too movement mm-hmm. in me too movement everybody uh, anybody who speaks against feminism mm-hmm. immediately is attacked ki you are also part of those uh, misogynist and that kind of a world but somebody might be expressing his opinion and he has nothing to do with this mm. here also anybody who gets involved in this dialogue a mm. lot of people attack them calling them urban axles mm-hmm. but that is the beauty of democracy also i think mm. over a period of time people will understand who is who right. like calling somebody bhakt Mm-hmm. Everybody may not be a bhakt. He may have voted for Modi. Right. Doesn't mean that he's a blind supporter, mm-hmm. right? I have voted for Modi, but mm-hmm. I just now I told you I don't like that kind of nationalist uh, dialogue. Right. I am not happy with that. Right. I also criticize government on many many issues. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so right. I'm not a bhakt, obviously. Right. But they call me bhakt. Right. So I say okay, let's live with it. Let, yeah. Uh, let's stave off me too because it's a it's a massively complicated issue and yeah, so I don't, right yeah, yeah right okay. but i want to talk about your filmography now especially uh, buddha in a traffic jam which really 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 made a mark on me i was very um, very impressed um, particularly by this one actually two two different things but i'll i'll, I'll pose the first one and what was really impressive to me was that that film communicated a non bias from the very beginning it was very difficult to follow what the right side that you should align yourself with was in the entire film anupam kher seemed right in his own view and arun arunodoy singh arunodoy singh yeah, yeah arunodoy singh um he's a great poet by the way i've been on his instagram for a while um he they both seem to be representing almost the right sides to the last moment to the last scene where they have that interaction in that room um and so you sort of you sort of provide a narrative without placing a value judgment except the value judgment is on the methods that are being communicated i think that was very well done and i want to thank you for for bringing to light a political dialectic of that nature without aligning yourself in any fashion thanks um the second thing i want to pick on is um, which i thought would not be the case when i had heard that we'd be talking initially is the sex friendliness that you bring to your films uh, it's absolutely unlike any other bollywood production that i ever come across where at least in buddha in a traffic jam sex was discussed as freely as it was and i'm in favor of that i think we need to be having a massive open conversation about sex in india um but the film was also extremely cigarette shy oh uh, extremely cigarette friendly there were too many cigarettes being smoked in the film and i'm wondering <laughs> if that has a particular motif if that has a particular connotation in that film or was it just that everybody smokes uh i don't smoke right you know i'm not a smoker but uh see when you go to some place there's a first impression mm-hmm. you know you like you come into this room the first impression can be oh so many jackets are hanging there right. i don't know it's a director's impression you know anybody can observe anything when i first went to isb mm-hmm. i always thought these must be very studious students you know they must be of course they are they work right. very hard they right. to study very hard so i thought but they must be very different you know from regular college canteens mm-hmm. but the first evening when i spent in their dorm okay i just couldn't sit there for more than 10 minutes because everybody was chain smoking hmm. and wherever i went everybody was chain smoking hmm. and you are not allowed to smoke in the in Campus. the regular the yeah in right. the main uh, dorm evening they will sit all around and everybody is smoking or smoking up right you know something or the so that became an impression that in a closed room everybody is smoking uh-huh. so i think um, uh, director's subconscious impression that's how it came out right 
and that was the thing that I, as a non-smoker, found my, myself in this balloon of smoke. Right. That's how uh, it happened. Right. You know, yeah. There was a, there was one very interesting scene, and and that that's where I was like, huh, maybe I should talk to him about the cigarettes. When Anupam Kher walks to his wife and he borrows one cigarette. Yeah. Right, and then he takes a drag, and then he's like, "I'm no longer interested." And that I, I was wondering if there was an underlying communication that was being done through the means of cigarette. yeah. And also, uh, I mean, uh, everybody in India knows. I don't know if you know. When I was in college, I was also part of this Naxal uh, group. You know, really? Yeah, and uh, it's a. Hmm. I mean, it's a very third, fourth, fifth dimension nuance and subtext. Hmm. Maybe when I'm not there and somebody writes story about my films, maybe some. Give me the right. Some crazy, okay. Some, <laughs> some crazy, and you are nobody noticed this. Right. You are one of those people who noticed that. The thing is, how, how, how a middle class, small town, son of a teacher, of a clerk, or a bank manager comes to big universities like JNU or um, Jadavpur or any any mm. Delhi University or any a big city university and becomes a leftist. Mm. No parent in India, hmm. no family in India, I can guarantee Hindu or Muslim or Jain hmm. will ever, ever influence their child to become a leftist. Hmm. You become a leftist only when you come to the university. By leftist, you mean like far the people left. who believe in far, far, far left, left. Like far left, left, who say attack Indian government, right? State. Anti-establishment, anti-state, anti-state, anti, not anti-establishment, anti anti-state. <laughs> mm -hmm. Who just want to, to, who are never happy with anything, people. So, the first thing which happens is hmm. that the senior boy, a leftist boy will come hmm. and he'll offer him a cigarette. Hmm. He says, sorry, sorry, I don't smoke. I am Pandeji's son. Hmm. You know, hmm. my puttilak, I don't smoke. Hmm. Na, 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 kya kar diya ye. Hmm. Then what kind of a boy are you? Right. Are you still scared of your parents? You hmm. are an 18-year-old man, you are not free? Hmm. The beginning, jaise ki... तिलक लगा के किसी को हिंदू बनाते हैं या या बैप्टिज्म कैसे करते हैं उस तरह से जो इनका जो बैप्टिज्म है इनका जो जनेऊ है और वॉटेवर दे मुंडन इज दिट्स बिगिन्स विद अ सिगरेट नेक्स्ट इज अल्कोहल थर्ड इज फ्री सेक्स एंड द फोर्थ इज मार्क्स इट इज सिमिलरली फोर्थ इज मार्क्स this is what happened with me and whoever I've spoken to the leftist boys and girls this is exactly what's happened with them mm -hmm. so right I was a Kanahiya Kumar of 80s right you know mm -hmm. and today's Kanahiya Kumar also has to go through that that, initi that initiation progression is uh, very much similar to my friend group uh, except the Marx part we still do not like Marx very much um, but let me now talk to you about um, one very interesting bit I think this should be interesting um, you also are on the censor board of yeah. right um no it's not censor board it's, it's certification film so. certification right and and it's it's a tangential credential for the question that i'm going to ask <laughs> but it, it it bleeds some authority into your opinion you uh, also advocate for free speech as we discussed on the phone you believe that there should not be echo chambers the composite other half of free speech is something we call compelled speech where yeah, you were yeah. compelled to do an action or say something right um, a particular canadian psychologist became very very famous for standing up against free uh, compelled speech in the west but there is a form of compelled speech, I feel, uh, and I'm not, I'm not sure what my opinion on this is, but there is a form of compelled speech that is rampant in India, especially in the film, in the culture, in the art yeah. arena. And that is, you cannot deny standing up to the national anthem before the film begins. Yeah. Would you not say that is a form of compelled speech? That is a form of compelled action? Of course it is. Undoubtedly it is. But uh, uh, I don't know when it started and how it started. In fact, I have done a lot of sarcasm around that also. Mm -hmm. But this is not 
within the purview of uh, CBFC. Right, right, of this, course. This comes from state governments. It's central government has nothing to do with it. So a lot of people think if Narendra Modi's government has done it, it's wrong. Right. It is done by local state governments. Mm -hmm. When in Bombay, in Maharashtra, it was compulsory. In Delhi, it was not compulsory. In mm -hmm. some states and all those things. Uh, I honestly, I think we should not force people to do all these kind of things. Right. But there is one thing. I want to share with you. Mm -hmm. I used to be anti these anti smoking ads hmm. before films. Hmm. In fact, all film industry, most of the youngsters in India, they hate them and they say, "Why do you do this?" Because they're very visual. They're yeah, very, very, visual, very visual. Yes. But look at this. In India, uh, the throat cancer is. Hmm very widespread hmm. most of the people die because of eating these good cars and smoking these cheap filtered cigarettes unfiltered you know? cigarettes unfiltered and right. unfiltered cigarettes but the statistics reveals and this is not an indian statistics this is governed by who hmm. so you have some credibility there that because of these ads since they started running them the incidence of smoking and tobacco chewing has considerably going down hmm. Hmm. You know, and when they do these surveys, and this is a direct connection with these ads, because mm. why? Because when my child goes with me mm. and he sees that ad, he hates it. Right. He says, he, of course, he abuses CBFC and Narendra Modi or whoever he wants to, you mm -hmm. know, let him do that. Mm -hmm. But the immediate impact when he comes out and I take out and light a cigarette, he says, no, daddy, you cannot do that. Mm. Mm. Okay. And this behavior of children is exactly the same between a slum dweller's child hmm. and Mukesh Ambani's child. Hmm. You know, that is the spectrum. Right. So, which means it's a good thing you can use cinema as a mass media to also cultivate new habits which are healthier and more civil. You are very right about that. Uh, statistically, cigarette smoking is a phenomena very dominant in the lower socioeconomic strata yeah. of society. And since cinema and in India, chewing. Right, exactly. And uh, since cinema in India is such a mass medium to reach out to everybody, I fall on agreement with that. They should be, if, and if nothing more visual, so people stave off tobacco. From somebody who's used tobacco in the past, I still agree that those ads should be there and as visual as they are. But national anthem, I didn't answer that. Yeah, you, you, you sort of did. You sort no, of did. But, but if yeah, you want I think, to, I think I was little uh, this thing. But right. let me just put it in. Mm. I don't think anybody by standing up to national anthem has become nationalist or patriotic. Right. There is no science which has uh, revealed uh, something like revealed that. anything like that. There is no trend like that. But at the same time, I also understand a society should also have the freedom to follow some rituals and some norms as they deem fit. You know, mm. right. If society has decided ha, it's okay ki bhai hune hmm. if your family has decided, I don't think you have to rebel against it all the time just because you want to prove that you have to rebel. So if people have collectively decided and most of the Indians are happy with that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's why I says because these people respect it, they are happy with it. I'll follow this tradition. Right. You there know, I don't say, you know, I will not stand up and I'll prove that I'm independent. Right. I don't become progressive by it's, not standing it's up. It's not primarily for the proof of independence and rebellion that it should not be the case. It is primarily a predicament, a legal predicament at that that gets established where I can mandate you to do something just because I have the sign of authority. So India, Indian democracy is not evolved to that level. It, it has not yet. And that's yet. my fear. That's my fear. And yeah. it's a premature fear. I do understand. But it, it is very similar to how the Soviet society or for that matter, more communist yeah. societies yeah. in the world compelled behavior to occur in view of some mythical other like for the people for the tradition of so-and-so soviet russia and whatnot but let's not get bogged down there i have one i think this is going to be my last question to you and it's going to be the most interesting i've been waiting for this all interview tell me about the marijuana activism you're a part of ah uh, okay so uh, to put it very honestly when i was in college i have smoked marijuana i am in college 
<laughs> so uh, okay, you can offer me some. For sure, for sure. <laughs> so uh, because when I was growing up, marijuana was legal. Right. Uh, there used to be these theka ganja bhangka, mm-hmm. and government of India used to sell them <laughs> for twenty rupees. You used to get this much, you know, like, and if you give two hundred rupees, you need a big sack, you know. Two hundred rupees for conversion sake is three dollars. So yeah, so for three dollars you could buy like one ton of uh, marijuana. It was very cheap because it grows in India everywhere, you know. So I used to smoke them, hmm. and then uh, it became illegal, and then I totally cut off myself from that world. Hmm. Okay, though personally I believe marijuana, a limited amount of marijuana, is pretty good for a creative people Massive. and married people. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the verdict is out. <laughs> marijuana is definitely, scientifically speaking, it is good for your sleep, hmm. for your digestive system, hmm. and for sex. Hmm. Okay, and all these three things put together make a good family. Mm-hmm. So, and this is science. See, the reason everybody is laughing is the because they know it's true. It's because it they know true, it's true. But we have converted into a taboo word. Right. Okay, and that is a sad commentary on a modern growing society. It should mm-hmm. not have happened. Marijuana has helped so many people fight various diseases. Hmm. I'm not even getting into that. That's for doctors to decide. Hmm. I'm only talking about Hindu civilization. Hmm. In Hindu Hindu civilization, uh, not the ultra fanatic Hindus, hmm. but the Hindu scholars right. and Hindu philosophers. Hmm. Why have they used it as a symbol attached with Shiva? Hmm. Why? Because Shiva was known to be somebody who was incited with anger. So as a calming mechanism. Am yeah, I wrong? For variety interpretations can hmm. be there. Because marijuana was actually growing in every household. Oh yes. Right. Every household. The word ganja is huh? an Indian export to the rest of yeah. the world. Yeah. Even in the Caribbean, even in the Rasta culture is yeah. an Indian export. Right. And Indians, Hindu in Hindu culture, you did not smoke hash. Mm-hmm. Right? No, really? Yeah. I, I thought Shiva smoked chillam. No, 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 no. That was not hash. Mm. Chillam is a modern uh, pop art. You Achha? know, pop art. Right. Yes, pop art. Interesting. It was always bhang. Huh, right. The it female. Was, the female uh, cannabis. Right. I don't know. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's the differentiation. Uh, nothing. It's just the leaves of uh, that plant. Mm-hmm. And the flowers are ganja. Right. And the milk, the raisin is uh, charas. Charas. So, the bhang, even today... I remember my grandfather used to do it every night and he would, uh, all the children, he would put it on our tongue mm. because it was healthy mm. and it's very good for mind. Mm. It, any creative person you talk to, he'll tell you. Right. Unless you start like smoking from morning till late night. Mm-hmm. Don't never do that. That's right. not good. <laughs> I take that. Yeah, that's, not, that's really not good. And I've, I've practiced it. That's why I'm saying it's not good. It makes you dull and slow. But if you smoke, you it takes you, it opens up your mind and the your taboos and your prejudices and biases opens up and you appreciate right. beauty. That's one side. It's very good. Tuberculosis. Hmm. It's, a, it's a medicine for that. For hmm. cancer, various forms of cancers, it's a, it's hmm. a medicine. Right. And a society which is uh, conflicting most of the times, a little marijuana can help. I do not disagree. You know? I do not disagree. And Especially yeah. in the parliament. Yeah, in the, in the parliament definitely. And in the newsrooms. Yeah, yeah, and most of these politicians drink alcohol and they become very unruly and very stupid and uncivil after that. Right. And in parliament, a growing little marijuana will help. Mm-hmm. But scientifically, it's been proven that if you have a little plant of marijuana, not the American way where you put lights and grow it. Mm. If in natural sunlight with the breeze like Tulsi, mm. if you put it in your home, don't consume it. If there's a plant, 
it definitely helps the vibes of your uh, home mm-hmm. you know so that's why so i met this uh, brilliant girl pooja mishra she had tuberculosis but then she's uh, consumed marijuana not like smoke she mm. consumed uh, cannabis and she got cured mm. she was almost dying and she started this activism mm. and in six states it's become clinically legal mm. and yesterday karnataka state also made it legal yes. you know clinically right. so that's a great news so she came to me and she met me and she said vivek sir you talk fearlessly on so many subjects the problem is this issue will not become popular in india unless some people who are filmmakers and singers and writers and hmm. social activists they support it hmm. but she before me she met everybody in the film industry and she said i'm very disappointed that because people who are so rebellious and so scientific progressive they talk about sex openly but when it comes to mariana they say no 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 my brand equity will uh, get destroyed mm-hmm. i cannot do that a lot of money is riding on me so mm-hmm. i won't do that so i said aha you are in the right place no money is riding on me so i am going to support you right. so these two things uh, one is mariana i'm working on that activism and second thing i'm going to start a dialogue very soon i'm just it's like announcing it now which is on the sex education in india if you ever need me for that that is something i feel dearly for please but feel free to reach out but you look quite educated on that no if you need if you need me <laughs> i accept i accept um yes yeah, i, I do I feel very dearly for the conversation around sex in india because i was raised in a household where it was a hashash and a no no up until very recently and i had to force my way into that conversation such that now we can share a healthy relationship around that concept and not pretend like it does not exist yeah of course and this this whole indian tradition now needs to change in modern world uh, of coeducation should be encouraged a lot you know the minute your child is 7 8 year old we start telling him no this is a girl she's different don't right. go when she's taking bath don't go don't look at human bodies are beautiful right children love it when they're 4 years old they learn to look at each other's bodies you know mm-hmm. and unless and until you teach the new society i'm so sorry i feel sad that i cannot talk about these things in open world because uh, people make it political mm-hmm. but from the bottom of my heart i think from the childhood we should teach our children to appreciate the beauty of each other's bodies mm-hmm. you know right. only when you understand the beauty of somebody else's body you will never harm it mm-hmm. the reason you harm it is because you hate that body mm-hmm. there is an alienation to that you, body you are taught to that it's something else you you don't destroy beautiful things anything which you consider is beautiful you never harm it mm-hmm. there will be no molestation there won't be any groping there won't be any uh, rape right. if you think the other body both ways man and woman if the other body is so beautiful you'll protect it mm-hmm. isn't it right but we teach them we are different you sit here you sit there we see our parents sitting apart mm. and about sex don't talk about this don't tell the child mm. don't show this change seat. the channel change the channel right you're not changing the channel mm-hmm. you are changing the cells of his mind mm-hmm. and you are teaching that child that the few things which you should not do openly right. you should not express openly right. you know so you should get out of those taboos mm-hmm. two things we should come out of one that mm-hmm. and the second thing when your child is not even asking you what is god stop teaching him what is god very interesting he's not asking you mm. he's not saying to put a batasha and wine in my mouth and change me mm. or put this thing in my uh, hand right. or put a tabis on me and convert me these are like branding like you mm. put starbucks or this the brand right. this is my brand mm. why are you creating a brand out of a child mm. only when he grows up and says hey tell me mom what is beyond this life beyond those this cosmos what is god then say i don't know but 
this is what I think. Right. You go and explore on your own. Right. That is good parenting. Hmm. But if you start telling your child, hey, you are this, that's why you should become this, that's why you should become... He, the poor guy is not even asking you what is God. Hmm. He's not asking you the meaning of life. Let him go and destroy things, break things, write on the wall, discover each other's bodies, hmm. you know, understand. Let him go and have some little bit sex here and there. Right. Let him, let him grow up and... Yeah, and become, <laughs> first let him become a human being right. who can live without the crutches of your understanding, limited understanding of the world. Hmm. Let him explore on his own and then you share your thoughts with them. This is my personal belief. Right. Now anybody can attack me after this. Right. Vivek, uh, those were all the questions I had for you. Do you have any questions for me? Yes, I have a couple of questions please, for you. Please, Okay, first of all, I want to understand why you started this club. Where was the need for you to the start? Club the club or the podcast? This podcast. The podcast. Um, so I found that when I moved to America, I suddenly found that there was a massive cultural reservoir that I was unaware of back in India. And I am one of the more aware people that I've known all my life growing up in India. I grew up in a very urban setting, a very, you know, Western centric setting as far as schools and whatnot were concerned. Yet still I was unaware of that. And I realized that the trade off for those for that cultural reservoir was a lot of political and a lot of um, entertainment and a lot of cricket conversations. We weren't really talking about things that mattered because we were so muddled in things that did not. And I thought to myself that it would this podcast could be a nice medium for me to export culture from America to India and not just Western culture, but ideas in general. Yeah. You will note that none of my none of what I say ever has a tone of authority. It at most has a tone of suggestibility. This is an idea you could consider. And all my enterprises is to bring about better cultural artifacts for the Indian population to play with. Brilliant. And this did not start off exactly with this idea in mind, it evolved to that place as I realized what the market space for this was, as I realized what people could do with with listening to stuff like that. I also found that podcasting is a zero player market space in India right now. So there is a massive void that needs to be filled um, since given how, how much people commute in India and there is so much time that they spend doing nothing. Then there was parallelly the fact that learning and culture were having a very interesting moment around our time, this time, right? Like the fact that YouTube and, and podcasts and all these other mediums are being used for educational content, like the, the, the kind of content you make as well. And I thought this would be the best way to plug myself in to the large debate in India. I've always had a fascination for talking about things that matter. And this became my medium. Great. And you can, you know, work as a medium mm -hmm. to uh, uh, to bring across cultural understanding. That's the intent. Right. That's and intent. I'm really, I'm very happy. And my last question is, mm -hmm. what makes you a rock star? Because a lot of people have been, since I posted, I'm talking to you, have been saying, hey, you are meeting that rock star. So is that your hair or the way you talk? It's my jeans. I'd oh. say it's my dad's jeans. Which one you are wearing? Oh, dad's jeans. <laughs> I'm wearing pants right now. But um, I, I do not know. I, I'm flattered every time somebody says... You are something. a rock star. Let me tell you that. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. You're a that. good guy. Yeah, I like that. I like your energy. Thank you. I really appreciate that. There is something unique that I bring to the table that I do not yet understand. People point it out. People have been for a while. Um, and I credit it to the blessings and the and the conditioning that my parents provided me, I think there is nothing greater than that that has happened to my life. Um, and that is my fondest memory from my childhood. And that's about it. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much for bringing this bold spirit to conversation, Vivek. This has Thanks been so much fun. Thanks a lot. If anybody has any questions. Oh, yes. If anybody has any questions, we are opening it up for a Q&A. Thank you. Gregory. Um, so, um, this just happened recently. So, I was curious about the kind of connection. Um, you're talking about how maybe marijuana could be helpful among politicians. I know it was somewhat in jest, but um, I'm recalling the 
Democratic presidential debate in which um, I believe Cory Booker kind of lobbed the accusation at um, Joe Biden that his decision making wasn't as reliable because he was yes. presumably yes. on drugs. <laughs> and he specifically said marijuana. Yes. Um, and he made an implication that, um, in general, um, the, um, the Senate or the um, Congress in general would be, uh, is less effective as a result of their ability to be on drugs. So this is kind of in opposition to what you're arguing. What would you maybe say to Mr. Booker? Can I condense the question? Yeah. Be any... So recently in the Democratic debate, um, I think it was two days ago, three days ago now? Three days ago, um, one of the congressmen uh, who's contesting for the president, presidential election, and to correct me, Gregory, where I'm wrong, accused another of uh, being incapable or incapacitated to make a decision because of their views on drugs. Am I right? Am I correct? Um, he basically was... made a retort. He said that so uh, Joe Biden opposes marijuana legislation, right? Legalization, mm -hmm. and uh, Cory Booker just kind of made like a funny re retort that how could you oppose it? I thought you were high when you said that. Right. So the implication, what Gregory's pointing out, was that because he was high, he could not have made the right answer. Oh, I see. Which is goes contradictory to the whole point. Right. Uh, so that's what he's asking. Do you think people can make good decisions on marijuana? Um, I, 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 I am telling you from my personal experience with marijuana. I won't uh, leave a country to somebody who's smoking up and making decisions. I won't agree with that because definitely it influences your mind. And right. that's why I said for creativity and all those things, if you're doing when you're not responsible for others, when you're responsible only for yourself, for that level, recreational marijuana is fine. But I was talking more from the clinical point of view that it's anyway, this is used in all the medicines. Anyway, it is used, you know. So it's better that it should be used for clinical uh, purposes and only very restrictively for recreational. You should not drive after smoking up. Uh, you should not make decisions, uh, political or administrative or management decisions after smoking up. Hmm. And I would say just if you ever want to do it, smoke up and go off to sleep with your own wife. With your own wife, that's key. Uh, <laughs> did you have a follow-up? I was just gonna say he extended. He ended up extending it to like, oh, all the people in Congress smoke, and I guess he. Right. Senator Booker's point was uh, something about discrimination, like. He, but um, I just thought it, it became a broader point than just taking a jab at Biden. It became all these people in Congress are doing drugs, and it. I, I don't know if he intended it, but it kind of says something about our government. <laughs> or the place that the government exercises. Uh, did you have a question, Justin? Yeah, I had a question. So, um, I, I guess, like, um, the, the, the American sort of, like, music scene and, like, the entertainment industry in general tends to get, like, very politicized. Like, you see a lot of, like, figures in hip-hop and whatnot just, like, like, putting in their two cents about, like, various, like, political issues. And I, I guess to, to, that, to that end, like, our entertainment industry is and can be very politicized. Is like like does that does does the same sort of phenomenon happen with like the Indian music and like entertainment industry and if so I guess like to what extent do like I guess like major like you know um, figures in the arts or like hip hop and like and, and like music and whatnot like I don't know like like to what extent do they try to insert themselves into like the whole issue of Kashmir? He's wondering if there's any political activism on the part of artists in India that you note. Um. 
See, politics, art should be used for politics, mm -hmm. but politics should not be used in arts. Mm -hmm. That's what I would rather say. Mm -hmm. Leave artists alone, you know, let them do what they have to do. But it is also should be artists' responsibility to bring about uh, the all the sides of Political the Political awareness. Political awareness about it. And art is a very good medium to do that. You know, but sadly, as far as India, I'm uh, no expert about American uh, mm -hmm. art scene and music scene. I won't know much about it. Yeah. But like what I have seen is um, in India, mm -hmm. when it comes to terrorism, there is only one side of the story. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, shown a lot of sympathy to terrorists and Naxals, even dacoits. I don't know if you know, dacoits were Robin Hoods, you know, mm -hmm. uh, people who would pick up gun and shoot all the rich people, steal their money and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we have shown that sympathy. I don't know for what reason, but this has been a continuous process. Until I came on the scene and I said, no, I'll present the other side of the story. As far as also then I have also another point of view, though I also uh, don't like the uh, kind of precedent that you guys have, you know, and a lot of people talk against it. Yeah. But I'm also not in favor of at Oscar ceremonies and all these ceremonies, only one point of view coming out. It's boring. I, yeah, it's boring because everybody will come and attack the other person. That person will become stronger. Right. You know, you should also have the other point of view. Mm -hmm. But it's it's we live in the kind of times where people don't have patience. We are going through a transition. If you look at in most of the population is still a half of the just to put it simply half of the population has grown up in analog age. Okay, and then uh, uh, the entire millennial population has grown up only in digital age. Then there are people like me who understand both the sides, the analog as well as the podcast age also and the old-fashioned All India Radio also. Right. So there's a lot of confused lot here, confused lot there, confused lot there and we are all like in a big ocean discovering what is right, what is wrong mm -hmm. and that's why we are so outrageous. Mm -hmm. We are impatient because we are trying to find our destination, uh, the purpose of our being. I think just give it another five, ten years people will settle down and they will go back to their work. Mm -hmm. Is there any other question? I had one question. Yes. So, um, off late since August 5th, obviously, uh, we've seen a lot of latent hostility uh, trickle into American culture. Uh, prominent like, you know, uh, figures in politics have made statements on Kashmir which look like almost the template that's been followed, like that's been you know shared around, and every politician is changing like few words and posting the same thing. Um, when we saw that U.S. congressional hearings recently, where Sunanda spoke, and then before that, Artik spoke, we saw like a. It, it almost felt like the hostility was planned, and as if they were prepared to like take them down, and that's the kind of hostility Indian Americans uh, have not seen before against India per se. We've had good diplomatic relations with, um, uh, with US, but now this is trickling down to the daily lives of Indian Americans. If you speak anything about your homeland or if you're not outlandishly com uh, you know, condemning the government, then uh, you're not on the right side of the political spectrum. So as a person, who, as, as a person of Indian origin who lives in uh, US, I just wonder what can we do individually through our own mediums like some of us have podcasts here, some of us are artists, some of us are writers. What can we do to bring awareness and improve this scenario that at least tell our side of the story? Okay, yeah. And I have also noticed that. Yeah. You know, I've in the last two years I've come here two, three times and I've spoken about Kashmir also and a whole lot of issues also. 
and I have never seen this kind of aggressive uh, activism against me. Um, and up in at Purdue, uh, I was there again. So what is happening is uh, three, four people will come. They are planted. Definitely, you can make out. I'm experienced enough, and there are reasons to believe uh, on paper. They are planted. They come, ask you certain. They attack you in a certain way, and they run away. And then the entire within no time the entire social media is filled with etc 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 and they're spreading. Now the two things are there. One is the financial power, who has been funding, okay? Who gives donations to big uh, media houses and all these social media things? I said Kashmir today runs most of the cyber crime, the cyber industry, the rumor mongering industry for rest of the Islamic terrorist groups. You have to understand this. I don't know why nobody is talking about it. It's clear. You can anybody can go and find out where they come from. Because in, in see in UAE, in Saudi Arabia, and all Syria and all these places, you can't do that. India, Kashmir is the only democratic state. Pakistan is not. So that's why they are free to run these these things. They are sitting in Delhi. They are running some carpet shop in a five-star hotel and running these operations. Somebody has to do a crackdown on them. And that's what is happening. That the minute you say Kashmir, they have this keyword, and anybody think. See, if some ABC person says, nobody cares. If I say, and suppose he talks on this podcast and takes a stand, they will go against you also. I'll tell you how you can do it. It's very simple. I do not believe in attacking the other person. I do not believe that you should say things against Islam or all those. Yes, speak about terrorism because that's the global uh, problem. But you should talk about your own strengths. Do not become enemy conscious. Do not become enemy centered because then what will happen? The danger is after some time you will start behaving like your enemy. Enemy is the terrorism. Do not in the process you become an intellectual or emotional fundamentalist that whenever you see anybody and say no no Islam is bad this is bad and we start abusing Muhammad and Prophet and all those things. Don't make that mistake. They want you to commit that mistake. You don't fall in that trap. You talk about the greatness of Kashmir. You talk about why you don't have art and literature. You talk about them. Why don't they have democracy in the, their place? Ask them what is their problem with the democracy. On one side you have Pakistan with no democracy, a bankrupt country. On one side you have the fastest growing democratic country. What is their problem? Ask them genuine questions. Talk about your strengths only. When you meet uh, Americans or any other people who don't know much about our culture, talk only about our strength. Give them parallel. If they talk about why Kashmir, tell them about Texas. Say why, how Texas happened. Hmm. You know, show them their own this thing. And ask them what are your views about minorities. Hmm. Let them speak about minorities, and then tell them that two percent in Kashmir is minority or not. Above all, my what I would do, my strategy is simple. Mostly these questions are asked by liberals. You know, people who call themselves liberals mean people who don't believe in boundaries. People talk about global. What right U.S. has to call these Congress sessions and pass resolutions in India? No business they have in this. Then why don't you do one thing? Get together ten, fifteen young boys and girls and pass some resolution against racism, passed against homelessness in U.S. You can also do that. These are the tactics you can use. But above all, ask them what is the percentage of Muslims and Christians in the world, and what is the percentage of Hindus in the world, and a global map which is a minority. Okay. Simple.
It's so simple. Tell them in a larger context, why are you limiting it to Kashmir? Come to India, come to Asia, come to the whole world. You don't believe in boundaries. You're a liberal person. Let's talk about humanity first. Hindus are diminishing society. It's minority, not even 15% population, whereas 65% total is almost, don't catch me on that, it can be 68, 70 something, the uh, Islam and Christianity. They run most of the world. The richest countries belong to them. They are the most powerful people. Most arms and guns are with them. The biggest of the corporations are with them. Everything in this world is with them. They run UNO. They run the most powerful media houses. Who are we? We are nobodies. We are a poor country carrying 61% poor people. Now look at it. Shouldn't they look at us with compassion and sympathy? Right. Isn't it? This is how you put your point across. Logically, it's not logical, it's real. Any more? Okay. All right, Vivek, thank you so much. This thank has been you so much. much fun. And thanks a lot for organizing this at such a short notice. You're most welcome. All the thank best. You so much. If you like this stuff, might I please remind you to please press the subscribe button. If you liked it enough, if you press the subscribe button, it only helps other listeners come to find the podcast more easier. Also, if you disagree with something, you are more than welcome to approach me on any of my social media handles or my email. My email is mailme.prakargupta at gmail.com. Finally, leave a feedback, leave a review. It really helps people who are, who are checking my podcast out to find if they'd be interested in this content or not. And eventually, if you just love this podcast and you cannot stop thinking about it, share it with somebody. It really helps my audience grow a little bigger. Thank you so much for listening. It's been incredibly fun doing this for you.